A new study caught my eye last week showing that the American family and the life of the American family um, has changed drastically over the past 50 years. Marriage rates are falling. Fewer women are having children. Young people are thinking differently about their futures. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about these trends. Uh, With us to discuss this concept of the change in family is Daniel Cox. He is a senior fellow in polling and public opinion with American Enterprise Institute. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Great to be here. You know, these trends just fascinate me because it, you know, I guess just stepping back for a minute, we see trends in how young people are thinking. What are the types of of issues that arise in our society that cause people to change their views on important issues such as religion and marriage and children? Yeah, I mean, there's so much wrapped up in in that question. And uh, I'm going to actually turn to one of the findings in the report that really kind of hit me over the head. We asked uh, a question of all the respondents. This was a national poll uh, of 5,000 Americans. And we asked just a simple question, how often do you eat family, how often did you eat meals with your family growing up? And there are massive generational divisions. So if you're a member of Generation Z, this is, these are our youngest adults, uh, only 38% said they had regular family meals growing up. Hmm. Among baby boomers, it was three quarters. So we're seeing a, a sea change just in this really kind of, well, I think a lot of us would consider a very basic uh, family activity, uh, kind of like sort of central to, the, to a lot of family units, right? We're spending time together, we're sharing a meal um, but it's something that younger Americans growing up are just doing a lot less often. You know, the one of the uh, topics, subtopics in the poll is talking about the way Americans view marriage. Can you, I know there were a lot of questions asked and a lot of stats, but can you kind of summarize how trends have been changing when it comes to marriage in America? Yeah, so I mean, one of the big things that demographers have been watching and noting for quite some time is that the average age of first marriages. Uh, is going up for both men and women. We're, we're seeing really significant changes. Um, if you look in, in the early 70s or so, uh, people married in their early 20s. Now uh, it's in their late 20s. I think for men now it might even be uh, early 30s. Uh, so that, that changes a lot for a lot of people, um, and I think some of it's obvious, but in, in a couple ways that are worth mentioning. Uh, first, if you are you know, focusing on your career or your financial security and that kind of thing, you're making all these decisions on your own, uh, not as part of a pair. Uh, you are, are making a lot of decisions in other, in other aspects of your life on your own, too. You know, when you think about religion, uh, you know, the, the, the having, you know, getting married and having kids was supposed to be one of the, the important life events that, that brings people back who may have drifted away from religion. Now it's happening much, much later in people's lives. And so we're, we're seeing really significant shifts on patterns of religious involvement over, over uh, someone's life. And, you know, one of the things that I think I read in, in the study is that there, there really is less pressure from family to get married. And people and younger adults don't feel that societal pressure. I mean, you know, I, I've been a lawyer for 35 years. You can kind of do the math to figure out how old I am by ask that you not do it right now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, there, there was pressure back then. You know, there was an assumption that you were going to get married, you were going to have children, you know, and, and that is really eroding too, isn't it, Daniel? Yeah, no, the societal expectations on a, on a number of different fronts are, are, are shifting. And I think a lot of it comes down to 
to parenting and the choices parents made. You know, I, I made the the point about the family dinner thing, and one thing I, I should note is that it's not that parents they are spending less time or are less involved with their kids' lives. If anything, they're they're much more involved. If you look at uh, research that shows that you know just how much time, like in the hours of the day, people are spending raising their kids and doing sort of parental tasks, and it's more now. And so one of the questions that I, I think that raises is, well, you know, where are we putting this energy? And I think a lot of it uh, is, you know, focused on kind of extracurricular activities and, uh, you know, focusing on individual achievement. So instead of having the neighbors over, going to a block party, uh, going to a civic center and, and you know, just being that way or going to a church barbecue, you know, we're, we're taking our kids and getting music, private music lessons or gym, doing gymnastics or other sports. Uh, and that's where, you know, and, and kids are learning this like that. Oh, it's not it doesn't like community is not the thing I need to focus on. I need to focus on individual achievement. My, you know, my own goals, getting into a good college, getting a good job. That's what's going to make me happy. And I think what the, the problem with that is that I think it leaves a lot of kids um, feeling more socially disconnected and lonely. Well, that's that's fascinating because it's true. Uh, my friends, you know, who are raising children now, that's right. That's their whole agenda is driving their kids to all of these special activities that are, you know, in good faith, of course, designed to make your child, you know, more well-rounded, uh, you know, and find out what interests them. But maybe that maybe there's some value to just having family dinners and going to a, a neighbor's picnic. Um, it, that That's a very interesting point. Um and then I guess you, you know, now that you brought that up, making children feel isolated, how about the pandemic? How about social media and technology and kids on their, their devices? That has to add to that whole isolation as well, doesn't it? Yeah, and this is a, a really kind of sad point. Uh, so we're not the only ones who've been seeing this. You know, there's been a number of studies who looked at social media and influences of, of you know, not being in school for a year for a lot of kids. For school-age kids, and we are seeing really significant shifts in in loneliness. Uh, so, and we asked this question: How lonely did you feel growing up? And again, looked at all the different generations: the Silent Generation, Baby Boomers, Gen X, Millennials, and now Z. And Generation Generation Z is far more likely to say they felt lonely growing up. A majority, fifty-eight percent of Americans who belong to Gen Z. So they felt lonely at least once or twice a month growing up. And only 23% of baby boomers are saying the same. So we're seeing an absolute sea change in, in terms of how socially connected we are um, during childhood. And, and, you know, we don't know the proximate causes, right? It could be social media playing a role. It could be, you know, the thing that I mentioned, like that sort of pr- parents focusing on kind of personal achievement. Um, the decline of, of religious involvement growing up. There's a lot of things that, that could be at play here, but we kind of know uh, at least what the outcome is. Yeah, and, you know, if you uh, know children, uh, people raising children now, I mean, there's a lot of mental health issues. I mean, you see kids at a very young age, a lot of suicide attempts. You see more than I think I've ever seen, and, and kids just feeling horrible anxiety and depression at early ages, just in larger numbers than I've ever seen, and that might be what you're talking about. Um, let's right. just... And these kids are often the, the very successful, right? These are yes. often high achievers that are feeling this. Yeah, yeah. So is they can be successful 
in their pursuits, but personally, they're, they're just not feeling happy, feeling the happiness. Mm-hmm. When we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about religious affiliation, how that's changed. And I do want to talk about the issue of divorce. We talk about that quite a bit on my show, uh, is the fact that I'm a lawyer. But uh, what are those trends and what does that mean? We're talking to Daniel Cox, who is a senior fellow with the American Enterprise Institute, and you're listening to The Karen Conti Show on WGN. We're here with Dr. Daniel Cox with the American Enterprise Institute. Um, you know, when we were on break, uh, Daniel, uh, my uh, producer, Andrew, asked me, could it be that children, you're talking about how children, uh, the the younger adults are saying that they were lonely in their childhood, and it's a huge amount of, a, a huge percentage compared to in the past. Could it be that, that, that children are, and adults are more likely to admit it now? Or is that factored into your poll? Meaning, meaning, are people more uh, are more willing to admit that they were lonely or have anxiety and depression? I mean, it, it's possible, right? Like we do see some of the, this kind of what we call social desirability—people not wanting to admit certain things. But uh, I mean, overall, you see it in a lot of other kind of behaviors. Like you know, how, if you ask questions like, "How often did you spend time on your own?" or other kind of measures that they don't maybe have the kind of stigma that you know being a lonely or alone and you see you know you see the same kind of patterns the other thing that i didn't mention is that families are smaller and one thing that we know from from this survey as well is that americans raised in smaller families are more likely to feel lonely like so if if you were had two or three or four siblings that's a really different experience than being an only child and we we know that the overall size of the american family is contracting now, let's talk a little bit about divorce. And I think the first question I have is, and I'm very interested in this, you know, how, when you're raised in a divorced family, what does your poll say about how people are raised and, and how they turn out as adults? Is it more predict, predictive that they're going to be divorced or have not, not have good relationships, suffer from, from ills, um, or is that just sort of what we think and, and not at the fact? Yeah, so we know that that being raised in a family uh, where there's a divorce happens during, you know, when the, when the kids are at, still at home, you know, between 0 and 18, um, is associated with a lot of negative outcomes. Uh, so folks tend to be, um, have more problems in school, there's, there's, they feel, you know, more lonely and, and have sort of behavioral problems. You know, our, our poll shows some of this as well. We find that, that people raised uh, by divorced parents uh, tend to be lonelier, uh, tend to be sort of less satisfied with their their personal relationships, whether it's with their parents or with their siblings. Um, so there's yeah, there's some significant uh, you know negative outcome correlated with divorce. Now it could be that there's other things that are going along with this, right? Because there's so much that happens in a divorce. Um, parental and child relationships can be strained. There could be financial issues. Um, so there's a lot that's wrapped up in there. So I don't want to just say, you know, if this, you know, if divorce happens, this, these other negative outcomes ha- will happen. We don't know that for sure, at least on, in our study. But it, again, it's consistent with a lot of the, the negative outcomes that we see elsewhere. Let's talk about the trends in divorce. Are more people getting divorced these days or fewer? Uh, well, actually, it, you know, depending on how you measure it, we, we've actually seen a, a decline from, I think it, it topped out in the, in the early 1980s. And now in, in our poll, we found that 40% of Americans who were, who were ever married have now gotten a divorce, uh, which is still, you know, I would say quite high. 
And how does religious affiliation uh, affect the issue of divorce? Because I guess in my mind, I would think that the more religious people are, maybe the more they're going to stay together. Not necessarily, but maybe that that sort of keeps people together. Or maybe it it helps them pick people who are aligned with their, their way of thinking. Yes, that's a really interesting question. And we, we asked about that. Um, so, and what we found was that there's really no difference. So being a member of a religious group, whether you are Jewish or white evangelical Protestant, uh, Catholic, um, black Protestant, uh, there, there's really little difference in divorce rates. So the, the people who are not religious, we call them religiously unaffiliated, um, are, have similar divorce rates as, as Americans overall. And, and among these other religious groups, there's really no difference. And let's talk about religion. Are people more religious now than they were 20 years ago uh, or less religious? So uh, there, this is, I think, the biggest story uh, in when you people who sort of study American demographics and demographic change. I think this is probably the biggest story is the increase in people who are not religious over the last 30 or so years. Um, polls uh, in the early 90s started noticing uptick, and, and it's only increased. Now, roughly one in four Americans identifies with no particular religion. Uh, and there's a lot of other things that go along with it. We actually asked a, a question about what kind of, for people who got married, what kind of wedding did you have? Was it officiated by um, a religious leader in a religious setting? Was it a more secular marriage? And the number of people um, who were married recently who were having secular weddings, basically. So it's someone... Um, a non-religious person in a non-religious setting, uh, it's exploding. And, you know, let's talk about marriage and people's happiness within the marriage. I always find this very interesting. Um, what, what, what do you make of the stats that came out of this poll about who's, who's happy in their marriages, who are the happiest people in their marriages, who opt to get out, who make the decision to get a divorce, and, and what, what does this mean? Yeah, so this is another Rick, just really tricky question because um, there's a, there's so much going on, and we're trying to parse it out in the data. So there's a few things that we know. Um, one is that in like in general, on average, people who are married tend to be um, more satisfied with a whole variety of different things, but more personally satisfied, more satisfied um, with their their friendship networks, uh, their sex life, uh, their you know feeling more financial secure, security. Um, in general, the pe- people who are married feel better on all those measures than not than those who are not. Um, we also know, though, the, the survey showed and other sh- polls have showed that there's a really significant difference in the amount of domestic labor that men and women are doing. Men, men are doing far less uh, on a whole host of different activities, whether it's cooking or cleaning, uh, planning social activities or outings, you know, doing the laundry. Um, the women that we, we talked to and we interviewed were, were far more likely, and I, I mean like 40 and 50 points more likely, to say that they were the one who were primarily doing these things. And the only one that men were far more likely to do were was yard work and home repairs. So uh, there's still, right, despite all the conversations around sort of shifting uh, priorities in, in domestic situations and, and men taking more uh, of a role in, in parenting and, and other duties, like there's still a really significant de- discrepancy we're seeing in just the, the kind of day-in, day-out kind of activities you need to, to run a house. And does this 
result from the poll? Do results does this result in women feeling less satisfied because they're the ones maybe who aren't raising doing more of the child raising? Maybe they're doing working outside the home. And now they're doing still all the cooking and the cleaning and those types of things. Does this make them unhappy, and generally speaking? Yeah, so we do see, um, we, we looked at this relationship in, in our poll. Do they feel less happy or less satisfied in the relationship? And we did see that for women, yes, they're, you know, in general on a number of, of these, these different tasks, if they're doing a lot more, then they feel somewhat uh, less satisfied. And the other big thing, uh, which may have been your next question, but like the divorce uh, who, who initiates divorce is also far more likely to be women than men now. And, it, and again, it's, it's a whopping difference. So 66% of women who have gotten divorced say that they were the one who initiated the decision, and only 39% of men said the same. And I just wonder, I mean, you know, we, 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 I can only speculate, but I, I guess I speculate that women maybe feel a little bit more secure financially in the workplace because they can get a job or they have a job. So therefore, they're not holding on to that marriage for solely, solely for financial reasons, which, you know, which happens in marriages. Yeah, and I, and I think it's, it's certainly true um, of of more recent marriages too, right? A lot of people are becoming more established in their, in their careers before they get married. Now it used to be that, you know, when you're married, if you're getting married in your early twenties, your, your career definitely has to come out after that. Right. Uh, but now if you're marrying into your thirties, you've probably, you know, made some money. You've established some kind of a foothold in a, in a career or job. Um, so it makes it, yeah, it makes it, a little bit easier, perhaps, uh, to have that kind of financial security uh, without the marriage. And one last uh, question, one one last area that I found very interesting, and it was sort of apropos of nothing, but was the statistics about parents' favoritism toward their children. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what your poll showed? Yes, yeah, so this is really one of my favorite parts of the poll, um, uh, your listeners know I, I'm a middle child myself, so some of this really resonated for me. Me, me too. <laughs> um, but but basically, what we found was that we asked people whether they, they thought their parents had a favorite child in the family growing up, if they had siblings, and um, if they did, who was that favorite favorite child? So in general, um, uh, youngest men were most likely to think that they were the favorite, uh, and then women, you know, youngest women were a little bit less so. And middle children were least likely to think of the, that they were the favorite in the family, um, which which makes a lot of sense if you think about family structure. Uh, you know, middle children never really have parents all to themselves. Oldest and youngest do for for whatever number of years. Um, but as, as light as these findings seem, there's a lot of negative negative consequences that come from that. So we found that that compared to those who said that their parents didn't have a favorite, those who did. They felt lonelier. They had less close relationships with their siblings, less close relationships with their parents. Um, they, they, you know, there's other studies who found similar things, and, and they found weaker academic performance if they felt their their parents had a favorite. So there's a, a lot of negative stuff that um, is really associated with with you know parental favoritism. Daniel Cox, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I am going to post uh, where you can find this. Uh, this poll because I think it's very interesting. It's well written. It's it's very fascinating. I put that on our website and uh, this podcast um, link on the WGN website.